Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... I'm Kristen Little, and I am the new campus coordinator in career services. Wait, you're the career services I'm the career <laughs> services coordinator. <laughs> I almost I almost said internship coordinator on mine, wait, wait, which is why yeah. Hannah was laughing. Career she could see me do it. Coordinator. There we go. Perfect. I feel like this is a very appropriate introduction to this right. show. Welcome, yes. Kristen. Let me also, get my card. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> well, welcome, Kristen. It's very good to have you on the podcast Thank and you. on the team as well. Thank you. So we really would like to just hear you revel us with your stories of how you became a bear. Like, how did you go to Northwest? I know you went to Northwest. How did you come back to work here? How did you get to career services? We'll just let you go and just tell us stories about Kristen. Oh, so much pressure. Okay. <laughs> so I have always been a bear cat. I <laughs> was born and raised in Maryville. My dad had an opening. He came from Peru state and uh, was teaching in Don Robertson and he became good friends. And uh, Don told him of an art opening here at Northwest. And in 1969, the rest became history. So he started teaching in the art department here at Northwest. And I was born in 75. I don't know if I should say my age, I guess. And then I went to Horace Mann. So grew up on campus after school, going down to my dad's office, um, walking And what did your dad teach? Can you give us? Yeah. So he taught ceramics and drawing was the majority. I mean, I'm sure he taught several different classes, but to my recollection, the majority was just ceramics and drawing. And then I went to college here. It was never a thought of going anywhere else. It was never even an inkling of I'm sick and tired of Maryville. I want to go spread my wings. I just couldn't wait to come to Northwest. I had to pay for my own schooling. So I knew that that was going to be a major part of it. And so then I started college here at Northwest where I worked my way through working in the president's office right off the bat. Susan Matson hired me and I loved every single minute in that office working for her and Claudia Beacom and President Hubbard at the time. And then I graduated and... Wait, hold on. Let's back up briefly. Okay. So your dad was an art professor. Yes. How did you decide what you were going to major in? Did you consider art? Were you interested or did you have other interests? I'm a terrible subject when it comes to this because I've worked in admissions the last seven years of, you know, what do you want to major in? And I had no idea what I wanted to major in. I came in undecided. For me, there are so many things that I enjoy doing that I could not wrap my head around. And especially in high school at, you know, 17, 18 years old of, I have to commit to one thing that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that was too much pressure for me. So I came in undecided. Lee Hageman had given me my first jewelry kit when I was probably like seven or eight years old. I've always had an absolute love for jewelry. 
fascinated of how you make it, the metals, watching it melt, the creativity behind making this thing that you wear. And so he gave me my first little kit and it had like the saws and it had the blades and it had all of these tools and pliers in it. And so even though I was undecided and I had no idea what I wanted to major in, I knew I wanted to take jewelry classes. And so I'd always thought I would take these jewelry classes and never thought about the fact that he could retire and be gone by the time that I got there. And so when I started taking some courses, I obviously wanted to take art classes for sure. I loved it and knew I wanted to at least minor in it. And then the first year I took jewelry class and I got to take out my kit. Uh, he announced he was retiring. So that was kind of a bummer. But yes, I absolutely took art classes, minored in it, wanted to take, wanted to have my dad for a teacher. A lot of people are like, why would you do that? That's a lot of pressure. Or the flip side of it was people going, oh, you're, this will be easy A for you. You know, he's your dad. You'll do great. And it's not that simple. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Throwing you have never spent hours trying yeah. to get a pot to come to fruition on the wheel. I do not draw. So uh, I barely got to be in that class, but yeah. And then through that process of taking classes and trying to decide what I like to do, I also learned a lot of my difficulties and how hard it was for me to learn. And a lot of that played into later on finding out by my junior year, I had a learning disability. And from that, I knew that hands-on activities, projects were a major role in my success of being able to graduate and do well. And so being the people person that I am and loving to talk to people, I put that together with broadcasting communications. And I have never regretted that decision whatsoever with majoring in broadcasting and being able to have all of those hands-on projects of the radio and the television and getting to know people and learning to write. And through that, you know, there were some major impacts in my life. Like Fred Lamer really helped me graduate. Like when it came down to struggling through classes and getting done, but that was a big part of it was being able to have those grades for hands-on projects. I think that's big. I don't think enough people talk about that, right? Like it seems once you graduate college, it's like, oh, you did this thing, right? I think yeah. people forget how some of us took a little longer than others. I did take a little <laughs> for, longer. For various reasons, you yeah. know, um, and then it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I graduated. That's all that mattered. Mm -hmm. I graduated with my degree in communications and minor in art. So uh, what'd you do with that? So I use it every day is what I like to say. But circling back, Veronica Watkins, who actually now teaches ceramics in the art department, um, she and I became very good friends in the art world through my dad. And she was a phenomenal student. And through our friendship, spending time together, she worked at a jewelry store called Marodi's in Kansas City. And I love jewelry. And so even though I took all these courses and got to take a couple classes with Lee before he retired, I still have always had this love for jewelry. So when we, when I graduated, Veronica had been working kind of part-time, like through the summers, she's always from Kansas City, knew Carol for a long time and would work for Carol. And so she introduced me to Carol at her wedding 
And that was that. So I moved to Kansas City and I went to work for Marodi's uh, Midwest Jewelry in Kansas City. Veronica went on and did other things. She went on to grad school and did her own thing. But I went to the jewelry store to get my feet wet and dip into moving away from Maryville for the first time and exploring living in another place that I was not familiar with. So yeah, so I did that for a little over three years and absolutely loved it. But then spread my wings even further and moved to Alabama, to Birmingham, where I worked for an all women's private liberal arts Southern Baptist college. So mouthful. It was called Judson College in Marion, Alabama. And I was an admissions recruiter there and I had a territory and I traveled all over and um, did that for a little over a year till I met my husband. How did that transition go? I mean, now in hindsight, you like jewelry to recruiting for a Uh college many, many miles away, but how did you come upon that opportunity? And like, why did you want to do recruiting? I wanted to do recruiting because that's what just kept coming back to me. When you start looking at opportunities, you know, I had all the sales experience and working with people. And when you're looking at what to do for a job, I got a headhunter to help me find a position and it just kept coming back to admissions and to being a recruiter. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. And I really took a chance in doing that. And I, my dad moved me down in a U-Haul and we, I moved down there to Birmingham and got the job and never looked back as in the fact that I felt like, I mean, I don't want to bring religion into it, but I felt like I was totally led, like God totally was wanting me to move down here and take this opportunity and do that. And so that's what I did. That's a great way to learn a new place. If you have a territory and you have to travel, <laughs> <a recruiter>. like, <laughs> you're going to learn how to get around down there. So yeah, that was back in the day of MapQuest, you know, print it <laughs> off and follow your directions. What maybe were some things that you learned from recruiting that you hadn't heretofore learned in in selling jewelry? It was completely different in the fact that I was working with this school was a very special school and, you know, a lot of sciences and math, and they really pushed that female to be able to have this independence to learn and get be the same level as everybody else and get the same education um, and the statistics on why going to an all women's college of not being chosen over a male and having maybe a foot up in some of those industries was so invigorating to me at that age. And at that time, it really played a big role in my self-esteem, but we went to people's homes. Like I would go to their home and meet with their family and talk to them about the college. So you don't do that in typical recruiting where, you know, you go set up in a, in a college or go set up in a gymnasium and they come to you. And I would do that. I would get those leads and I would make those connections with kids. But then I took that one step further of, it wasn't, I'm going to give you a call and see if you're interested. I made an appointment with their family to go meet with them, take them out to eat, eat over, you know, and talk about this college over a meal. Um, So it was very personal and I loved every minute of it. So what did you do after that? So you mentioned, you know, you met your husband around that time. So Yeah. So I was like, you know, 
here I am in this all women's culture. And I was like, yeah, I'm concentrating on me. I'm not going to have anything to do with boys. And I met Nathan in a gymnasium. We were in Selma, Alabama, and he was at the Coast Guard table and I was at the Judson table and we had a travel territory. And so I would always see this guy and I always thought, I'm not going to think about that. But we would have meals afterwards, like all the recruiters would get together and have meals. And pretty soon we were talking a little bit more. And then he got orders to go off to Cleveland, Ohio. And I thought, I'm not following a guy. I'm doing my job. And so Skype was back then. So we would Skype and I would still see him and we would talk and we had no intentions of continuing the relationship, but we did. And a while later, I did end up moving up to, I wanted to make sure that because at this college, you had every hand in the process. So I met with their families to go over financial aid. I met with them to make sure everything was taken care of. And so I wanted to be there when they all moved in to start college. And so I stuck around until August till everybody moved in and started their freshman year for that class. And then I moved up to Cleveland where Nathan was stationed. And I don't know, three weeks, it was less than a month later, I got a job at another college called Bryant and Stratton College in Cleveland, Ohio. And then not but a few weeks later, Nathan surprised and proposed to me. And then and then I was in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> and so what were you doing at, at that school? Yeah, I was recruiting. I became a senior admissions representative kind of over um, all the other recruiters that were in that office. And it was a whole nother world for me because it was downtown Cleveland. And it was fascinating for me to, to live somewhere where I could walk to a grocery store that was in this brick building in the middle of the city with a coffee shop and a jazz bar next to it in my apartment, just right there. Like I'd never lived in a city where I could just walk to everything, you know? And so I loved it. It was just obviously totally new and different. I went from living in Marion, Alabama, where it was dirt roads and I had no cell phone service and you had to drive 30 minutes to some of the Walmart to Cleveland, where I was like downtown, heart of it all. First city I'd ever lived in that had, you know, a professional basketball team, the Cavaliers, we had the Indians and the Browns. And so I could go to all these different athletic teams. It was just, it was fantastic. And I love just walking down the street to coffee shops and art openings. And it was very cool. So I did that as a recruiter. And that was different in the fact that those kids had to come to you. There was no traveling involved at all. They had to walk in the door and tell you they were interested in this college. And once they did, from there, then I helped them through every step of helping them fill out the application, helping them fill out the FAFSA, getting, you know, there were a lot of inner city kids that didn't have a high school diploma. So helping them get their GED and offering those classes and those tutoring sessions, like we did all that. So every single job had different facets. And then Nathan, so by then I'm married to a man in the military and when he gets orders to go somewhere, that's where you go. And so uh, he had orders to go to Petaluma, California. I was pregnant with John and was going to be having a baby in April. And less than eight weeks later, I was supposed to move across the country from Ohio to California with a brand new newborn um, without my husband 
and start a military wife life on a base with a brand new baby. So that's what happened with that. I ended up driving cross country, literally pumping in one hand with the baby in the back. Nathan's driving another vehicle in front of me and we drove cross country to Petaluma, California. And then we're stationed there for four years. How did you get back to Maryville? Coast Guard seems like a coastal thing. It was. So gosh, it's a long, I don't know if you even want to hear all this story. So we lived in California for four years, had my daughter Chloe in California. Nathan is originally from Ohio and wanted to get back to close to his parents to be able to be near the grandkids, you know, that whole facet. So he is an electrical engineer. He taught electronics. And so in order to do that and be anywhere close to, he would have to go out of rate and go into something that he didn't technically do all the time, which was recruiting. So he went back into recruiting. He'd done it one other stint. Um, So he went back into recruiting and was the chief officer in charge of a territory all around in Columbus, Ohio. So we got stationed to Columbus, Ohio and moved there from California. And just three years into our billet, uh, my dad passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. And so I moved home to take care of my mom. I, I waited a year, stayed in Ohio for a year after he passed. And then I moved home with my kids to take care of my mom. She'd been having some health issues and wasn't able to keep up with the house and the, and the things that go on. And so Nathan stayed in Ohio for another year, bringing him to his 20 years to be able to retire. So I came back to Maryville to take care of my mom. Where it gets crazy, and again, where God had his hand in everything, was that for that year that I was back with my kids, I would not have been able to work. There's no way that I could handle doing what I was doing and working. And no job openings came available that I ever saw because I kept my, I was keeping my feelers out there. You know, I was thinking, what am I going to do when I get to Maryville? What on earth am I going to do for a job? And I just knew, I just had faith that it would all work out. Like I was like, I don't know. All I know, I'm going for the right reasons. I'm going to take and everything else will work out. So after Nathan retired and moved back to Maryville, literally that next summer, an opening came up as the campus visit coordinator. And I thought, how is that possible? How is it possible for a job opening to come about at Northwest where I would love to have worked and never thought it would be reality? Have it be a position that I didn't have to travel. That was the thing. Like I could be a recruiter and I could go back out on the road if I had to, but this position was no traveling. This was hosting events in Maryville, doing what I've done, all my years, but not have to not have to leave. And so he were the campus visit coordinator for seven years. And in that time, so you said you were hosting students and their families on campus. What kind of other things did that job entail? So I was in charge of anything over basically 10 people. If it was a large group that came to campus, like a bus tour from Kansas City, from Iowa, from Nebraska. And I would plan and facilitate and host those days for those students and their chaperones, you know, giving the presentation on Northwest, telling them all about Northwest and all of that good stuff. Um, And then I also hosted all of the big visit days that came to like discover your major. So if it was specifically about a major that you were interested in, I worked with all the departments here on campus to host a visit day that would be specifically within your major. 
there were other things too, such as like Distinguished Scholars Day, which is a huge event here on campus. I think a lot of people don't realize um, how important it is to Northwest to host Distinguished Scholars Day. Um, that's all of our highest achieving students come to campus. And so making that day go off without a hitch is huge because we want those students here. Um, it also entails a interview because it's a competitive scholarship for them to be competing. Ten of the top students get a presidential scholarship to come to Northwest. But within that, a very high amount of students that come to that day end up coming to Northwest, regardless of that presidential scholarship or not. So huge day here at Northwest that I, I wish more people knew about. And then we also put on other days, such as like accepted student visit day, or, um, you know, we do housing sneak peeks or things like that. So Saturday visit days, a lot of Saturdays, um, hosting families when everybody's off doing fun stuff. Northwest admissions is always working their butt off touring families and hats off to them. Yep. Right. Well, Absolutely. I think that's one of those things, you know, you hear about like campus visit days and you think, oh, that probably happens three or four times a year, but we do events three or four times a week. Like yes. we, we have a lot of recruitment events and it's grown, you know, in your seven years in that role, you know, I was leaving as you were coming in, we worked together for a very brief amount mm -hmm. of time before I came to career services and like we were starting to ramp up, but when I came over here and you guys, you really ramped up and it's like, we had visit days. Like I, the, we had a, a joke in this office is like, Oh, the day ends and why it must be a visit day. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. you guys did stuff every day and then on Saturdays too. So yep. I think people don't realize the volume of that when you have 11 schools and departments plus undecided plus achievers plus accepted, that's a lot of stuff. So, I mean, you yeah. were responsible for a huge number of events that you honestly probably didn't get a lot of time to facilitate because you go right from one to the next. So that's a big job, a lot yeah. a very all encompassing job of doing a lot of things for a lot of people with not a lot of time or resources. <laughs> so. But I loved it. And they do Sunday tours too now. So it's, it's amazing to me because where most schools maybe do like, oh, we do two tours a day at this time and that time, you know, Northwest does a tour every day on the hour from nine until two. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot. So the big drum roll, why career services? And then <laughs> I got an amazing opportunity to come here <laughs> and it is absolutely beyond anything I could be blessed with, you know, it like, just like you said, Travis, like it's a lot, it is a lot. And, and it's not that I wouldn't continue doing it. And I loved it, but my son's now a sophomore in high school and he's got soccer games on Saturdays. And I was missing things all the time. You know, I missed all their NPR soccer games on Saturday mornings and my husband always coached and went to the games. And so I didn't go to the games cause I had to work or, you know, it was just constantly something that I was missing out on and it really gets to you. At this point, my mom is in the chateau in assisted living. And so she has a lot of health issues going on and it's just, there was nobody to take my place. If I was sick or I was gone, the day had to go on and there's no backup for me. So it's a lot of pressure of what better place to be right now to have a team like this to be able to walk into work every day. And it's such a positive environment 
and know that I have support. And I'm not going to lie, those recruiting skills as Travis, I mean, Travis is here too, right? As a recruiter, I think people don't understand that those skills are super valuable on the backside for us as well, right? To talk to employers, to make connections for students out in the world. Um, We still connect with faculty and students all day long here, right? So that relationship aspect of the piece, that transfers over very well from admissions work, right? Those relationship skills and just making connections with people, interviewing events, basically everything that we do matches up really well with admissions types of work. So it's a great fit, I think, for everyone involved, really. Yeah, I still get to see every family that comes through. And you have the added benefit. You have all of that event planning experience that, you know, I certainly didn't bring with me. I didn't. The only events I planned were You didn't were know my how visits. to make a catering yeah, order. <laughs> it was just my stuff. So you've got all of that that you could, because, you know, that's primarily how we interact with college students is through events and through walking into the room, you know, walking into the office. So, you know, you bring all of that experience, which will be very valuable for us too. So yeah, it's a, it's funny. The, the admissions to career services transition is real, just like the broadcasting to recruiter transition Uh is real too. I mean, I think all those skills, like it's a really, it's a really good progression of you learn this, you use it here and you use what you learn there for this. And it's, it works really well. I think that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but we have talked to enough people who that has kind of been a path for them that it's not an intuitive, you know, when you're a student here, you don't necessarily know that that's sort of a, a connection, but yeah. How many interviews have we done? And, and recruiting is kind of a big, a big pull from that. Yeah. People always say, well, why, why did you go into broadcasting? You're not doing that. And I'm like, it was broadcast communications. And just because I'm not in a TV station or in a radio station does not mean I am not using my communication skills every single day. You are broadcasting day. your communication every day. And marketing <laughs> communication and all of those skills, they all dovetail really well together. So yeah. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing your story Absolutely. with us, Kristen. We're, We're very so excited, excited to have, have you on the, team. As a part of yes. the team. Thank you for having me on here. All right. And if you would like to see Kristen, feel free. Come in the Career Services <laughs> Office, Admin 130, open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. Uh, and that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.